0: Today we have the next episode of the European Values podcast. My name is Andrei Polishuk and today's guest is uh, Paul Massaro, who is senior advisor to Helsinki Commission.
1: Yeah, great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Um, so we can start with the first question. Uh, as I said, you are an advisor for the U.S. at the Helsinki Commission. Uh, could you describe a role of the United States in organization?
1: Sure. And, and and before I do so, I guess I just want to say that I'm here in a personal capacity, not representing any view of the United States government or any of our commissioners. But the, the Helsinki Commission is essentially the Europe Commission of Congress. We're led by nine senators and nine representatives. It's a bipartisan and because it's both Senate and House of Representatives, the two chambers of the Congress, it is bicameral. Um, And our job is essentially to monitor compliance with this sort of set of principles uh, in Europe that all all European, all Northern Hemisphere states have signed on to, uh, that commit them uh, to principles of the rule of law, human rights, uh, and democracy.
0: Well, basically our specialization in the commission is human rights protection, sanctions, um, money laundering. Um, what competencies does uh, the Commission have uh, in the described areas?
1: Yeah, so I mean, pursuing this mission of, of, of essentially pushing US foreign policy uh, to, to strive to rise to our highest values and also to push our allies to rise to our highest values and, and, hold, um, and hold our adversaries in, in, in other states to their freely undertaken commitments um, you know, we have, you know, multiple ways of doing this. One is to do podcasts with people like you guys, right? So, I mean, it's like we've got a team of experts and we've got uh, our leadership who are members of Congress. And of course, as members of Congress, they can author legislation. And another big thing we do is work on legislative activity. You may have heard of the Magnitsky Act, a very famous sanctions law that came out of the commission. I worked on the Rodchenkov Anti-Doping Act, which made it, uh, uh, for example, illegal to, it essentially redefined it as fraud to engage in doping in international sport. It was, you know, in the aftermath of the Russian doping scandal. Um, We worked on and and created the the Trafficking Victims Protection Act for, you know, for counter-human trafficking. So, I mean, the the sort of list goes on. I've now worked on over 13 pieces of anti-corruption legislation. Um, Two have become law. We worked on um, counter-interpol abuse uh, bill called the TRAP Act, the Transnational Repression Accountability Mm -hmm. and Prevention Act. But but a lot of legislation I work on, um revolves around this space, as you say, of sanctions, economic um, warfare, economic interference, um, and anti-corruption. Under this kind of motto that corruption is a national security threat, and corruption is kind of the essence of of modern tyranny.
0: Yeah, and are there any biting mechanisms in the, in the organization? Can you enforce them?
1: Uh, well, so... Let's separate the Helsinki Commission from the OSCE. I think I think uh, so the the Helsinki Commission, the Europe Commission of Congress is basically like a committee of Congress. you know we we are congressional staffers we're led by members of Congress. Uh, there's a Europe commission there's even there's a China commission down the hall, you know, and they focus on China and there's a joint economic commission and so on and so forth. so, there's there's numbers of commissions of Congress and there are the committees that actually consider legislation. All uh, and all of us hold hearings and all of us hold panels and we do things beyond that. Um, but the commissions tend to be more, like uh, like a little bit a little bit like congressional think tanks in a sense. Whereas the committees are very are much more operative. They're they're constantly considering new legislation and new authorizations and stuff. So when you when you talk about binding mechanisms, I think what you're referring to is the Organization for mm-hmm. Security and Cooperation in Europe, which is based in Vienna. Um, and the OSCE um, is based on this Helsinki Final Act and all the, all the commitments that have come after it, uh, which are these 57 states, basically all the states in the northern hemisphere, which have signed on to a really robust set of commitments that include commitments in the three baskets, we would call it, or dimensions. Uh, the first dimension being the security dimension. Uh, the second dimension being the economic and environmental dimension. That's kind of my dimension. That's the one. Like, if if you really open up the book and look at my job description, I'm the second dimension advisor. It's always like funny. It's like the oh, you're from the second dimension, the third dimension. You know, uh, like what are we like <laughs> extraterrestrials? Um, but but this, and then the third dimension, which is the you know the human rights, uh, particularly the human rights and humanitarian commitments. So. These this is a really serious set of commitments. I mean, I mean, if you really look at the commitments, it's like wow, like Russia's signed up to all of this. You know, they signed up <laughs> yeah. to like anti-money laundering. They've signed up to uh, all sorts of human rights stuff. They've signed up, of course, to the the what we call the decalogue, the, like sort of the ten. 10- um, fundamental commitments in the in the Helsinki Final Act regarding inviolability of borders, including non-aggression, <laughs> including all this kind of stuff, and they violate all this. So they've violated. We've we've said since two thousand fourteen, they've they violated all ten uh, of well, of, of this decalogue even before, even before. And then of course, you know, I mean, right. So with two thousand eight, you know, that you know, and in two thousand eight, should have with the invasion of Georgia should have gotten the attention it deserved. But in any case, they've been flouting these commitments for a very long time. So that's a long roundabout to get back to your question of are there binding mechanisms? And the answer is no, not, not really. Um, there, there, there have historically been cases where you've been able to engage in certain procedures that are non-consensus based. But the, but the fall of the organization, the, 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 the really weak point of the organization, much not unlike essentially EU foreign policy decision making, is that it's unanimity. You need to have all 57 states agree to something for it to... For it to take action, um, so you constantly have Russia um, opposing. opposing anything you know uh, that that would do anything that would be anything meaningful. Um, so in, in the in the Yugoslav uh, breakup in the in the Balkan crisis uh, in the '90s, there was a consensus minus one principle established that allowed Yugoslavia to be thrown out of the organization, um, but. I mean, your problem is you couldn't achieve consensus minus one with Russia because at the very least, you know, occupied Belarus, which is no longer act. I mean, we, I mean, it's goofy that they even have a seat at the table because at this point they're totally occupied by, yeah. by Russia and I mean, but they, but they do. Um. So you wouldn't be able to get it just with Belarus and then, you know, who knows who else would, uh, would take their side. But, but I mean, you could, you could, you could look at that consensus minus one principle and say, okay, well, maybe we need to. You know, do something similar with Russia. There's there are other mechanisms that don't require unanimity, like the Moscow mechanism, which you know is like a human rights evaluation report mechanism. Um, but at the end of the day, truly binding, hurting uh, mechanisms for compliance with these principles. Um, like I, I think, like I think of like the Financial Action Task Force. Okay, this is a this is a uh, uh, the international. Commitments for finance, um, for uh, for essentially anti-money laundering. Okay, this has something called the gray list. And if the if the key countries, sort of the forty countries that make up the the council, um, decide that you go on the gray list, decide that you're that your mutual peer they 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 do mutual peer evaluations where they evaluate one another. And if you go on the gray list, like if you go on the gray list, banks are not going to do business in your country. So it's like a huge it's a huge penalty like like it, it actually hurts you know um, there's nothing like this in the osc there's no there's no there's no way to actually make it hurt essentially um, and i mean to be fair very few organizations have something like that i mean there's the it's so,
0: basically problem with international uh,
1: that, that is that is the fundamental problem is there's there's very few enforcement mechanisms i i've seen them i've seen successes in in, in these are these are minor successes because of course China's never going on the gray list, right? I mean, Russia's never going on the gray list. America's never going on the gray list. The, the countries that go on the gray list are like Mongolia, Malta, whatever. And these are, these is, this, is, this is still powerful because it still is useful. Um, but, but I mean, let's not kid ourselves. You know, um, you know any, any kind of country with serious clout is not gonna go on the gray list no matter how bad their financial exactly. situation yeah. gets. Um, and and, it, and that's, not, that's not so different from the uh, but there's other there's other mechanisms like, you know, like uh, inviting civil society in to to really, you know, maybe people like you guys to really grill countries, uh, which was what they did at the Human Dimension Implementation Meeting for a very long time, which was this meeting that happened every year in Warsaw, uh, where the states would actually get would sit at the same table as civil society, and civil society would really tear into states on failing in human rights and and this is this is and, and say so you you know you signed up to this why aren't you doing it and then, the, and then the country would have to answer and in a lot of these countries you know a lot of the countries in eurasia certainly russia but you know kazakhstan uzbekistan you know belarus whatever you know i mean if you did if you did the same sort of thing in this country they put you in jail they you know so 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 to have this opportunity was was pretty serious but this is not happening this year of course because Russia blocked it. So yes. now, now, now it's like uh, they're still having some type of meeting because the chairman, chairman office is Poland, and they can kind of just have a meeting like this. Um, so they're having a the kind of meeting, but it's not like the official HDIM. So anyway, that's, that's a, a long answer to a small question. But I think it's a really important question. Um, and I think it gets at the heart of international organizations.
0: Um, well, you mentioned uh, Russia and OC let uh, let's speak about russia uh, for a brief moment um how is the co- cooperation with russia in osce is it any or no
1: yeah, i mean i mean it's no i mean i mean russia has you know abused and used and and, and tossed around the osce and and it, and it makes you wonder i mean it, it, you know it, was well, US... it in
0: different uh, after eight years after the annexation of Crimea? Was there any cooperation after two thousand and fourteen? Well, there was
1: there was the special monitoring mission, which to monitor implementation of Minsk, which yeah. <laughs> which which itself is, you know, kind of like a, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's it, I think reasonable people can disagree on this, but I'll say the notion that Ukrainians could violate a ceasefire on their own territory was always like a weird. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, notion of me, like, if if, if if Texas were invaded and I were defending and Texas, was, <laughs> you know... There I, was uh, a
0: different if... interpretation of the Minsk Agreement. What? Uh, there was a different interpretation yeah. of it.
1: Yeah. Uh, of the Minsk Agreement. A different interpretation in what way?
0: Uh, on, on how should Ukraine behave and how should these separatists... Well, well,
1: the separatists well, well, well right, And but that was, that was what the special monitoring mission mm-hmm. was doing, was counting ceasefire violations, on both sides yeah. so i mean the, the the sort of the assumption within smm i mean i mean we you know people are always trying to walk the line but, but the assumption within smm is that minsk is legitimate right and that, and that minsk is that that ukraine can violate a ceasefire and, and so on and so forth um, but 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 in any case um so the special monitoring mission russia allowed that to happen and that was kind of viewed as a success because it was OSCE doing something and being involved in something and you had People with O.S.C. helmets on the ground—it's sort of at sort of the line of contact and 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 you know taking down every, Oh, we got a Ukrainian. The Ukrainians, you know, have violated the ceasefire. The and there was policies. a
0: part of the argument of the Russia to invade in Ukraine just uh, to say that Ukrainians were violating Minsk Agreement. And... Well,
1: well, right. And I mean, that's that's you know, it's it, again, it's it's one of these things where it always felt a little built on sand and like, you know, this was this was an agreement that Ukraine entered under duress and and. You know, pr- maybe wasn't the best thing to do, and 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 and, and maybe it wasn't good that the Europeans kind of, you know, Germany and in in France kind of like pushed this, and and they were, they were very proud of it and tried to defend they it, you know, you know it, was, it was like wildly proud of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, yeah, right. It was the the when when Putin gave his uh, now now infamous Hitlerian speech before he invaded, he Minsk has failed. It was always going to fail. The Ukrainians violated Minsk. You know, I mean, it's. It's, it's you know and and, and, and
0: we have to protect Russian speaking and we, we have to protect the Russians
1: right? from the Ukrainians who are attacking th- their own sovereign territory <laughs> you know I mean it was it, I mean you know it, it, it sadly it sadly gave legitimacy to um, to to the Russian invasion I mean I mean it 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 sort of created this notion that it, it legitimized the the so-called Donetsk People's Republic and and in Luhansk People's Republic right I mean it 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 gave it some notion that the Ukrainians could be in the wrong on this when, in fact, the Ukrainians are 100%, 110% absolutely not in the wrong. They were invaded (laughs) and and they they have every sovereign right to defend themselves, you know? Um, And and that's all there is to it. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. There's zero zero question marks around this or anything like that. So so that was kind of the last time that you really saw any sort of serious thing. And, And I mean, as you can see, it's, it's way up in the air whether that was in the favor of the West at all. I mean it, it certainly Russia saw the advantage of that because it legitimized their 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 continued attacks, so on and so forth. So I mean, I uh so then then essentially you get these kind of eight intervening years where every the permanent there's this permanent uh uh council, the the PC that meets every week of the fifty-seven ambassadors. And every week, uh the United States would come in and go, Russia get out of Ukraine and Russia would go with a totally straight face, We're not in Ukraine. You know <laughs> and, 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 and then and then America would proceed to say, Russia get out of Georgia and then Russia would say, We're not in Georgia And that happened for eight years, okay? Until this, until this invasion, now, now Russia has owned up to everything, right? Now now Russia's even owned up to the Sergei Skripal assassination you, you caught with the, oh, maybe we'll have to send somebody to go uh, <laughs> yeah, to kill them. these guys in Estonia, <laughs> you know, to go destroy straight It's like, 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 what the heck? Um, so so now, now they just have owned up to everything, and now they, they've kind of, like, thrown the facade off. I mean, we, you know, it's not like we didn't know, obviously. We didn't know, that's why we are saying so. But you have to ask yourself, were we winning the argument When we come in every day and something totally false is said to our face and nothing happens to them, Mm. there has to be some kind of penalty. There has to be some kind of consequence for telling these blatant lies, for pushing disinformation. And, And sadly, I fear when that happens and there's no response, you normalize it. You know what I'm saying? And what happened is it just, they, it normalized. It just became kind of like a thing where it became a show. It became, Well, of course America is gonna say this and of course Russia's gonna say this and who really knows who's, who's, who's right and yeah. maybe they're both right and maybe they're both wrong and well America's gonna be America and Russia's gonna be Russia and let's just build Nord Stream 2. You know, and, 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 and that's kind of, that's kind of. And there's the economical
0: project, it's not a. It's an so economical
1: project, only a commercial <laughs> deal. And, 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 and this is the kind of, you know, this is the kind of thing you enable when you don't actually crack down, when you don't actually punish, when you don't actually create consequences for this sort of behavior. And we never did. We never did at OSCE. We never did outside of OSCE. I mean, even when you look at the sanctions in 2014. They so were- do you
0: see OSCE like obsolete? Does it have any function at so, all?
1: So OSCE Very, At least in this area of the
0: bringing the peace to Europe.
1: Yeah, so, so OSCE is valuable through the agreements and principles. And and that's that's where it's most valuable. Look, I I, I often am, am am stuck between you know the notion of Russia signed up to this whole body of commitments, you know I, I mean it's like it's like any international treaty like like the UN Convention Against Corruption or something like that. Like China signed up to all this stuff, doesn't implement any of it, you know. But but it but it signed up to all this stuff. Now, in one sense, it's good for us to be able to say, hey you signed up to this like 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 i mean it's you know like 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 if you don't if you want to get out of the agreement get out of the agreement but you signed up to it you know and and it's so long as you signed up to it we're going to try to hold you to it now if we would do that okay then there would be some worth to this stuff all right but we but we don't we don't do that instead we say hey you signed up to this and they say yeah and we're implementing it it's like but you're not implementing it here's the evidence you're not implementing it well, here's the alternative evidence that we are implementing it, and and and, it's, and then and then we're like, oh well, I, I don't know, our legalistic minds can't interpret this, and we don't know what to do, and oh, it'll just sit on the, some guy at state's desk forever, and oh well, it's too much too much of a risk for this guy to do anything with it, so okay, whatever, you know, it's just for the sake of diplomatic relations, well, you know, and and, and, and I mean that's what and
0: that's exactly exactly the problem with the United Nations.
1: Uh, yes, but 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 see, I guess what I'm trying to tell you is. There's a value in this stuff if we would put force behind it, and we have a choice to. And and people are like, okay, well, w- w- you know, in OSC, what are the binding mechanisms within OSC? Forget that. OSC principles are very nice. Where are the binding mechanisms within our own national states? We have sanctions. We have military. We have uh, you know all sorts. We have tourist bans. Like was just like like we should say, okay, you violated all of these OSC commitments, you know. It doesn't need to be an OSC punishment. You violated all these OSCE commitments, we're going to sanction the heck out of you. Mm-hmm. you know? we're, creating, we're creating consequences because you said you were going to do this, and you didn't. And, you, and we know you didn't, so now there's going to be consequences. But we've never created consequences. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and the only reason, that, and now we have created some consequences, not nearly enough that we have... Because God bless the Ukrainians, they defended themselves, and they, they basically, they're over there defending themselves, fighting off Russians, while at the same time, Zelensky's going to parliaments and screaming like, guys, come on, you know, like, like, do something, you know, and, and, and so we finally had to do something, you know, and we, and we did. So, but, but all of this could have been, I mean, we let international law and international commitments rot, and that was on us. I mean, international commitments, international law are only as powerful as our willingness to enforce them
0: yeah um so um, you was briefly speaking about the sanctions, and the sanctions is one instrument of the international law how to punish the breaching of it and Western countries uh impose some sanctions on the russia um are they enough? do we see an effect of it
1: i uh, no they're they're not enough um
0: so what more can we do like like western yeah. countries
1: so they 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 started off they started off pretty good you know um they, you know, in the first few weeks were really great, but then they kind of tapered out. So, there's there's a few things we need to do. First, we need to, you know, really really work hard to confiscate the assets. We we often see sanctions freezing assets, which is easier. Um, we have very strong property rights in the West, which is excellent. You know, don't, you never want to violate that property rights are in one sense like one of the very basis of. Of, of the rule of law, you know, but there are ways to confiscate assets and we have to recognize that like now is the time to do that kind of stuff. If we need new, new authorities, we build new authorities, but whatever it takes, you know, there's 600 billion in frozen reserves, Russian reserves, 300 in the ECB and 300 in the Fed, New York City and Frankfurt, just take it, you know, just take it, and 600 billion, we fund the Ukrainian war effort, we, we, we give it to Ukraine for reconstruction, Zelensky at Crimea Platform said about, he, he estimates about 118 billion to rebuild Ukraine right now. Mm. You know, I mean, come on, well, you know, it's, it's all there. to left, like 400 billion left. Yeah, 400 billion left, you know, I mean, 400 billion left to, to, I mean, listen, we've spent so far like 50 billion in the USA, you know, and now we're asking for an additional 12 billion this this September. So, I mean, like, I mean, the scale, and this, and this is just the reserves, then if you had oligarch money, I mean, we know that Abramovich has like, you know, Abramovich and some other oligarchs have like seven billion in the Caymans and seven billion in Jersey. And we and actually that's like that's like bottom of the barrel. We just know like I mean and and I mean that's that's like like come on, you know? Like we just need to get really and serious. And how about Putin's
0: money? How about
1: Putin's money? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well Putin holds a lot of his money through the oligarchs too. So some of this like when we talk about like Abramovich's money, it's like, is it Abramovich's money? Yeah, exactly. You know, like and that's always the that's that's fundamentally the point of the problems we face, is we we shouldn't be you know, giving just like blindly giving these oligarchs in in the in Putin's state, you know, private property rights. Like, what what the heck? They don't get they don't get freebie due process. They're part of the state, you know. And in a lot of these cases, we we should be able to just seize this stuff, you know, and and not just seize but forfeit it. That's that's critical. People talk a lot about seizing. Seizing means you take it and it's impounded, like some of these yachts, you know we haven't taken them. They don't belong to this. So we're paying maintenance costs on them yeah. and stuff. We need to confiscate them, you know, be able to auction them, get rid of them or even scuttle them. Just, you know, like get them gone. But we can't do that until we own them, you know, which you need to go through this this process. So, um so that's that's one big thing. Um and then of course, you know, well, you, you know, there's the, there's the there's the state sponsor of terror thing, you know, and and I think we really need to continue considering this um we need to be. We need to be thinking about cutting Russia off, isolating for good, you know, and what it means to move these supply chains away, uh, and and, you know, keep Russia completely isolated. Because it, 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 I guess uh, one not a,
0: all uh, not all Russian banks are cut off. Smith. That's right. Um, What's the problem with that? How is that even possible?
1: Well, for Gazprom Bank, for example, you know, the big one that's still operating, that was so Germans could buy gas. <laughs> now, now, and, and that became their main bank to do. All sorts of transactions with. Now, you know, there's there's a big question, like for me now that Putin has cut off gas entirely. Like, okay, can we can we sanction Bank? Like, like I mean, is it is it are we, are we done now? Like, like I mean, can we can we can we just say like we're done? You know, can we do it? Um, so let's get that going. I mean, and let's and if and if we can't, if the if the administration is hesitant to designate Russia a state sponsor of terror now. Um, you know like let's start to open the way for these things in the future like let's let's decide what's the path to doing that because you know i guess w- w- one of my fears is w- you know we'll, we'll we'll enter this kind of um reproachment with russia and we just cannot do this again <laughs> like 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 we we, we did ma- it like how, in 2008 and uh, how many times you know it's just like it's just like like ukraine is winning this war and when ukraine wins it and Russia leaves, is totally chased out of Ukraine's territory, we need to maintain sanctions. We need to continue to sanction. We need to totally isolate Russia for the foreseeable future until Russia really embraces demilitarization, denuclearization, decolonization. It's an internal empire, of course. And then some kind of de-Putinization or de-fascization or de-Nazi, like actual denazification or whatever you want to call it, you know, some, some level of... of, of you know, reduction in Russian fascism, um, but all of this is going to be necessary to integrate Russia back in the international community. And I mean, you know, isolation is just going to have to be the 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 solution to that. You know, and we've done this to a number of other states, and people say, well, oh, it didn't change them, but it's like, well, the goal might not be changing them. You know, the goal the goal might just be ensuring they can't hurt anybody else, which is, which is, which is, which is every single time we've integrated Russia back, we can, you know, welcome back into the fold, Russia. Boom. Invasion. Boom. Invasion. There was no, no lesson for Russia. Yeah, that's right. And this has to be, we have to learn, we have to learn the lesson this time. You know, I mean, February 24th is clarifying for me. It was, it was the break. It was the end of the post-Cold War. You know, the, the notion and I mean, I, I think this also gets back to your, your comments on, on international organizations. I mean, the, the notion of the post-Cold War was we're just going to integrate everything. <laughs> everything's going to be hunky-dory. And because democracy is so powerful and just happens automatically and is so great, yeah. then everybody's just going to become a democratic. And it's yeah, we were be.
0: trying to play win-win. yeah. But Russians play zero-sum game. and, and,
1: and, and Right, exactly. And, and, but we also need to recognize that, that, that like, democracy requires... Constant defense constant defense that that, that in one sense the, the, this, this teleological notion of triumph of democracy couldn't be less true that, that, that when you look when you look through history humans don't tend toward democracy they don't tend toward toward respect for one another yeah. they tend toward violence they tend toward authoritarianism yeah, and killing me. one another you know and I mean and I mean when you have modernity when your alternatives are you know uh, liberalism or fascism, <laughs> you know, like, like, the, you know, I mean, essentially like, like technology empowered individuality or technology empowered, you know, uh, uh, sickness, like of the mind, like, like, you know, the, the, the worship of the great leader and the destruction of, of, of whole peoples, you know, I mean, the, the, the answer couldn't be more obvious. I mean, the stakes are enormous. So we have to really recognize um, that, that, that we're in a new paradigm now that the last 30 years are gone, and it's gonna, it's gonna require us to really put our money where our mouth it's gonna require us to do some uncomfortable things, and, it, and I think the hardest thing is, it's gonna require us to make some sacrifices. Mm-hmm. And that's something a lot of us are not used to, especially in the West. In the West, it's been the vacation from history. We've got to sit around and enjoy everything, you can play, first world problems, and everything like that, you know. Yeah, we
0: fought all our wars. And yeah, it's all
1: yeah, it's all over, it's all over. We're, we're, you know, we're set, you know, but it's not. The thing is, is it never ends, yeah. you know? You have to fight for it every day. Yeah, and
0: exactly, and there was a Cold War and Russia was never punished. Like, yep, that's right. they, that's they you... lost it and they were not punished.
1: Well, and in, 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 in one of the ways that, one of the ways I tend to view this in just the last kind of, you know, maybe 100 years is, you know, World War I saw the fall of a lot of European empires and then fascism gave Germany and in, and in, in, in the USSR, which was you know red fascist essentially, um yeah, you basically. know another another shot at building empires, um another a, sh- a way of resurrecting their empires which had fallen, you know unlike the at the time the British and French empires which were bigger than ever but very fragile, you know um and, and the and remember I mean we we stopped German fascism, you know and it and by, it by 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 total force that's right by by total force and I mean I mean by burning it to the ground. Yeah. I mean, and that, and that was that. And that was, but that was only after the two fascist powers united in a team as allies to split up Europe. I mean, remember, World War II was not started by Germany alone. It was yeah. started by the USSR in Germany. And that's what the Russians don't like to do. They, they, yeah. they hate they hate it when people talk about that. They hate it when people talk about the fact that they started World War II, you know, but, but it was the fascists together essentially in their counter-revolution saying, no, empire is back, baby, and, and, but in like super crazy, ultra racist form, even though it was already racist. And like, you know, so, so but, 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 but in one sense, what we're seeing now is that, that the, throughout the Cold War and then the post-Cold War, that Russian fascism never went away. And this is it, it's back again. You know, German fascism had to be really stamped out. And there was the
0: denazification. There was uh, like the denazification.
1: Denazification, democratization. American troops on German soil up until even today, you know, so, I mean We're seeing kind of the the logical conclusion of Never having any of this in Russia. No, I mean whatever you want to no denazification No decommunization no de-Stalinization none of that. So Russia just continues in this perpetual cycle of fascism just constantly goes back, and constantly. And that's the goes problem back. with
0: the Russia. Like Stalin is one of the most popular leader, leaders of the history. It's, Russia. You
1: see exactly. So I mean, it's it's just you know, this time we can't we can't screw it up. This time, and I mean, of course, you know, not not advocating any sort of invasion of Russia. You know, but 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 you know, I just want to be very clear about that. You can't you can't do to Russia, what. What we did to nazi germany right i mean it's just that's not possible any longer um but isolation deciding who we trade with and who gets to come and travel to our countries you know that's fair you know that's totally fair you know i mean we get to set the terms as to who gets access to our Mm -hmm. our trade and finance and and in countries and all that kind of stuff and we need to be a little bit more confident in that you know
0: yeah, I think so. We are the most powerful like uh, population in the world, in the, yep. the whole planet, and we have like a financial power and uh, and the democratic power, etc. And we are, I, in my opinion, we are not using it enough. Enough. And Absolutely I, I see it as a Belarusian who came to the Czech Republic like 18 years ago and I was full of ideological dreams about yeah. the West and right now I'm I'm taking like seeing Germany trying to do business as usual with Russia or at least uh, not, not like, like right now but uh, after the Crimea they should cut all ties with Russia and yeah. they didn't. Instead of they built, North they built North City. City. Yeah. yeah. Uh well let's stick for a while uh, with the sanctions. Russians are trying to evade them and they are trying to persuade uh, Turkey to help them. Um is there any mechanisms to prevent it?
1: Um, well look, I, I I'm not so concerned about sanctions evasion. Turkey, you I mean is playing its own game. It's got a lot of oligarchs, you know, that uh, Russian oligarchs that are stationed in Turkey that are that are avoiding sanctions. Um, you know, you, you, you'd wish Turkey would Play ball more seriously, um, with their following. You know, their whatever. You know, their what they view as their immediate national interest. Which again, I, I you know, I I think anybody's natural interest, who's a NATO ally, is to be a good NATO ally because that that gets you the furthest. And you know, um, but 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 there we are. Fundamentally, though, um, you know, I think sanctions evasion is, and, and I mean, there's some like offshore uh, oil trading. You know, like ships. Trading barrels of oil and stuff like that and and whatever. But but at the end of the day, it's hard to avoid these sanctions because it's hard to avoid using the US dollar. <laughs> you know? So it's and 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 some of the most powerful sanctions out there, like the, the reserves, the, the freezing of the reserves. can't avoid those. We know exactly where that money is. It's in Frankfurt and it's in New York City, you know? I mean, and 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 the and the tech, the export controls, which which are really powerful, can't avoid those. You know, so the the, the sanctions that are on um Are hard to avoid, you know. And if and if and if you like, if you tried to smuggle a lot of microchips or something like that, and, and whatever, you know, you you could probably get a few in. And, and they're just like, you know, there's just nothing. To some extent, there's just nothing you can do about some level of criminality. I mean, the the planet's a big place. There's a lot yeah, of. And that's
0: why Russians start stealing washing machines from the U- Well, right, yeah. That's
1: what <laughs> that's that was the joke. Yeah, you know, it's like, you know, it's they need they need them for their war machine. You know, Um so it's. But it's but it's but it's um, you know at the end of the day anything in bulk is something we're gonna notice and even China understands that it needs the dollar mm. you know I mean China was warned early on by the United States you know if you if, if you're caught in sanctions evasion it's going to be hard it's going to be harsh um, and I think there is respect for that I also think that I also think that she um, who was colluding with Putin and who I think you know plan to invade taiwan after after this all went well and K- kfl in mm. 3 days and so on and so forth and the west collapsed you yeah, know um yeah. <laughs> uh you know is is thinking oh my god you know like i think the west is actually here a little a little bit stronger than we thought they were they're going to stick around a little bit longer I, than i thought I, we... I, th- I think that even the west was surprised how strong they were yeah was... yeah yeah i think so i think so and i and i and i think that that, that gave Xi pause so i think he's thinking how much do i really support this thing mm. you know we we don't want to back you know it's like as so long as they're causing problems for the americans that's fine but are we are we really going to dump a lot of our you know capital political capital into supporting and propping up russia right now probably not
0: yeah and china is trying to say that that taiwan is a part of their uh, of the china right. and the ter- territorial integrity principle and we have we can see russia like uh, destroying it so yeah that's so, one of the arguments i guess for the china not to not to Support
1: it right, right, and I mean I mean there's and there's a lot i mean I just I just think that I just think that uh there, I think there's a realization in Beijing that perhaps they're they're not even as strong as they think they are because they're looking at their you know sort of fellow autocracy and and their their, their, uh, their fellow empire their fellow fascist empire you know and and and, and they're like, oh my god the, the the military was so weak and corrupt and the state looks weak, you know, it's like, is the, is the People's Liberation Army corrupt? Is it weak? You know, hasn't fought since the 70s? Is it really going to be able to invade Taiwan? You know, it's like, so, I, I mean, it's just, it's hard for me to worry too much about sanctions. I worry more, like we talked about earlier, that not enough sanctions have been implemented. Like, a lot of the oligarchs that should be sanctioned, not sanctioned. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the, like, the, the Gazprom pump bank hasn't been sanctioned. Gas hasn't been sanctioned. You know, I mean, uh, y- you know, there, there's a you could do a lot more to isolate russia permanently for example
0: declare russia as a terrorist state
1: that would be the biggest one and
0: what would be implications for that what would be well there'd be a
1: lot of snap-on sanctions also all the sanctions we talked about are basically snap-on sanctions business would be cut out for forever i mean it's the ultimate isolation tool uh not just because of kind of the i wasn't implemented for any other countries yeah i mean it was iran north korea cuba i mean all these countries are just Totally isolated, right? I mean, they they they're completely cut off, um, and that's that's what would happen. That's the reason, in, in in essence, why the administration has decided not to, because they at this point, um, you know, want to want to leave their options open, I guess. Which which to me is, you know, I uh, you know, I, I think I think if that's if that's the decision you're going to make, then it, then at least have a plan further down the line to do it, because you know this this kind of this kind of fits and spurts, one step at a time thing. It it always seems like we're taking that next step. We're taking that next step. You know, no HIMERS, now HIMERS, You know, no Attackums then Attackums. You know, and and, and so on and so forth. And I and I, I imagine Russia will eventually get to declaring Russia a terrorist state if it. You know, I mean, it's going to continue hmm. down this line. And can the United States do it like uh, alone, like unilaterally, or does it they is have it, to- it, it, it no, it's totally unilateral. Oh, okay. Okay. It's a unilateral uh, designation under U.S. law, mm-hmm. so you know.
0: But there, there had to be some cooperation with the European
1: allies, I guess. Well, no, there. I mean, technically, there doesn't have to be any. Uh, there, there is because the there would be repercussions for the mm-hmm. Europeans, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if you if you did this, then uh, all European business that has any attachment to Russia mm-hmm. could essentially see massive sanctions penalties and possibly even secondary sanctions that would. Mean sanctions on the European businesses themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's. It's because of those reasons that it's not done, no. essentially, right now, uh, to maintain the cohesion of the coalition and and to to keep the kind of the, you know, this this notional door open, I guess, to mm. to, to Russia and and of course the classic for fear of, for fear of Russian escalation, you know, for fear of. You know, but how how more
0: can they escalate? We are at war. Well, you know? that's
1: the well. It's 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 the it's the use of nuclear weapons that 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 you know that worries people. You know, it, it, that's Jake Sullivan. You know, last month came out and said, if we give Ukraine attackums, it'll be World War Three, which you know is just. You know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, but, but the it's, general
0: Založný really... said uh, it was like yesterday that they were attacked, attacking Crimean uh, right. airports. I mean, I mean, it, it, it
1: seems it seems like every single time we've we've crossed Russia's ostensible red lines. <laughs> Russia Russia backs down. Yeah. You know, they Finland and Finland and Sweden and NATO, they back down. Na- Turns out NATO enlargement doesn't matter at all. Yeah. You know, and, and 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 attacking Crimea, they back down. You know, how many times have the Ukrainians attacked Belgorod at this point? You know, they back down. You know, they always they, I mean I mean Russia just they that's the that's the whole shtick. You know, as they that's what a bully does. Mm. They're just seeing what they can get away with and any time you show strength they back down. They back yeah. down. You know, and, and we should we should acknowledge that and do it more often. You know, I mean, that is how you end the war. Yeah, I that's d- how I you win Totally the war.
0: agree with that. Uh, so I have the last question. You were in Ukraine recently. Uh, what yeah. was your mission in there? Um, what was my one? Uh, what was your mission?
1: Well, um, I mean, I went to Ukraine to see it for myself and to to understand what was going on there and meet with the people I've been in touch with for a long mm. time. From, you know, I, I mean. Ukraine is the you know Ukraine's defense is is fascinating because it's not just governmental. I mean, I met with the Ukrainian government um, friends there, but 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 I mean, it's like it's 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 like the come back alive. You know, this 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 massive crowdfunding effort to get troops, you know, uh, Ukrainian troops body armor and night vision, and so did the there's the Petula Charity Foundation that's doing this doing very similar stuff. You know, I mean, there's there's so many like it's like it's like the entire. It, it, the entire society is mobilized, but in a way you haven't seen before. You know, it's not. It's, it's united. It's, like it's, totally it's united, united, but it's yeah. united totally from the ground up. You like, you like, you think about like the the total war of World War II, where the governments are asking, we're asking sacrifice of our people. You know, we we have to ration things, whatever. In Ukraine, it's all just automatic. Mm-hmm. It's like all the people are like almost pushing it up to the government. They're like, we want to win, we better win, and the government's like, oh, okay, you know, like like fine, we'll win it. You know, and it's 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 very strange. I mean, I mean. Ukraine. That's, that's
0: the thing uh, I was speaking or my mother was speaking with the one Ukrainian lady uh, who fled the Ukraine and she was talking about about uh, the mentality of Ukrainians. And she said that uh, the, the position of Ukrainians is like, uh, yeah, we will rather die than give Russians any land. So yes. That, and, that's, that's the point, and, and
1: I mean, it's it's it really makes you wonder. I mean, I mean, when you go to Ukraine, you talk to Ukrainians, and you see how they're waging this war, and how they're, I mean, it really, I mean, they're they're defending themselves, you know, um, and how their, <clears throat> how their, how their, you know, society is is so resilient. You you know, um, you, you kind of think like, wow, it, did we miss something about democracy over in the West? Like, you you think like, is this real democracy? I mean, it's like you. It, everyone is so engaged in some organization or another. Everyone is 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 you know money out of their wallet. Everyone is just looking for ways to be personally useful. And I, I don't know. I, I I fear a lot of the time in the West, we sit on our butts and we are kind of like wait and we wait for somebody to tell us what to do and 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 you know okay how do I you know like how do I fit into whatever part? I mean the Ukrainians don't do that. They just get out and they fit in, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a democratic lifestyle in a way that I, I fear, you know, so much of democratic living is law. I mean, it's like we have elections in the West and the elections are free and fair. Um, but so much of life isn't democratic. So much of life is spent in massive corporate hierarchies with bosses giving instructions and living in fear of being fired and, yeah. living in fear of, of of the of the boss doing something to you or the chief you know I mean and, and how are you gonna make your paycheck and whatever any and, and you just don't feel that way in Ukraine In Ukraine it feels like people actually are, are independent and they they follow their their hearts and their passions and their passion for almost exclusively is Ukraine which yeah, is also yeah, kind yeah. of a kind of just a, a, a beautiful thing you know so it's it's it, I don't know it's just you you and in, in, in every single one of them will lay down their lives to protect their country and, mm. and they'll never stop fighting. I mean,
0: that, that's kind of an interesting point because uh, Putin, in my, well, basically in my opinion, he was trying to play a card with the Russian-speaking population in Ukraine. But he, like, soon he find, found out that even Russian-speaking Ukrainians are pro-Ukrainian. Totally, yeah.
1: totally. And I mean, he's he's he's, I mean, Putin has inadvertently solidified Ukrainian identity I mean, one, one way to view this is, is, is Ukraine's war, like real war of independence, like, like Ukraine will come out of this as, you know, completely a country, a, a, a nation, united. Um, and it, it's just crazy to the extent to which Putin has utterly failed in every single goal he set out for himself. In fact, he's achieved the opposite in every single one. Ukraine will be stronger than ever. Uh, NATO will be stronger than ever. Exactly. The West will be stronger than ever. America, America's reputation is restored. Yeah. America is now solidly back in Europe. I mean, it's 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 very it's very strange. Or well, um, maybe
0: Putin is an agent of the West.
1: Yeah, right, right. Yeah, maybe maybe that's the new that's the new piece. So maybe we installed Putin. You know, um, um, yeah, that's the that's the that's the big one. Yeah, no, it's 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 quite a time. You know, um, I mean, it's it's just it's just a shame that that the price is so high. It's a shame it's cost hundreds of thousands of Ukrainian lives, millions of refugees, yeah. you know. I mean, it's, I mean, it, the, the it'll, rebuilding, you know, has it, gotta be a massive, massive priority and getting, I mean, that's the other thing is getting Ukraine into the EU and NATO after this is gonna be really critical and, and we have to make sure that we hold up our end of the bargain. Ukraine has shown itself absolutely to be part of our community, to be the very best of us, Yeah, you know. Um, So I I don't know. I mean, I you know, I I will not rest until you know we have the the, the war is won and Ukraine is in the EU and NATO. That that to me is really critical.
0: Okay, so I would like to thank you for your time and for your answers. It was very interesting, and um, thank you so much. No,
1: my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Nice to nice to do it right here on location in Prague too. Thank you.